Our scripture passage for today comes from the gospel according to Matthew, looking at chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. Uh, Before we read this, let's pause for a moment in prayer. Great and wonderful God, Lord, giver of all good gifts, Lord, we thank you today that you have not only given us life, Lord, but you have given us all the direction and guidance that we need. Lord, you have written your law upon the stars. You have poured your spirits upon our hearts. And Lord, you have given us this, your holy word, to guide us and instruct us in the ways that we should live and worship you. So Father, as we come to this word today, we ask that that same spirit that inspired these words would inspire us again. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. Listen now to the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So do we have any uh, John Cougar Cougar Mellencamp fans out here we know why we changed his name to john mellencamp because that cougar was just pointless right well even if you've never heard of john cougar mellencamp i bet you know his most famous song you've probably heard it even if you don't know you know it is called the ballad of jack and diane and it's a great little song about well a little ditty about two young people yeah yeah so you've heard it right it's a little, little song about two young people and growing up and going through from young life into adult life. And you start to listen to the song and it sounds sweet, but if you listen to it, especially the chorus, it can actually be a little depressing. Y'all remember the chorus, right? He says, oh yeah, life goes on. Blue. That's right, he knows it. All right. That's what they say, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. Anyone feel that way ever? Feel that this life continues even after the thrill and the joy and the happiness of living aren't there anymore and we still have to keep living. It's like we're carrying this incredible burden in life and it's not near as fun as it used to be. You know, wasn't that way as kids? Wasn't that way as kids? And kids, we love to get up. It was fun getting up in the morning. It was a new day. We're like, yes, I can't wait to do something cool today because I know I'm going to. And it was all this opportunity. 
It's the whole world open to us. You had everything still ahead of you. And then something happened. I'm not exactly sure exactly what it was that happened, but somewhere between graduating high school and I would say around like mid-30s, something happened and the luster got worn off of life. And it wasn't as fun as it used to be. And it all of a sudden became this incredible weight or an incredible burden. It was like, almost like a yoke was laid upon our shoulders. Do y'all know what a yoke is? Y'all seen a yoke? Some of you might be too young to know what a yoke is. Or, you know, we don't live in the farming society we used to, but a yoke is this, you might have seen it like antique stores or hanging in barns. It's this big wooden device, and you would put it on the back of a beast of burden, like a mule or a donkey or an oxen, and you would put this thing on his shoulders and on his neck, and it would wrap around him, and it would attach him to a plow. And normally it was a double yoke. It was so you could use two oxen together and they would, they would still be, they would they'd stay in the same lane. The same, not one wouldn't get ahead of another and make your lines all crooked. But if you ever felt one, they're very heavy. They're very heavy. And it goes on your shoulders and neck and you're using it to, to drag this incredible weight of work behind you. And that's what they call a yoke. And, and that's kind of what it feels like. And this burden of life, like we got this terrible weight, this yoke of our responsibilities and all of our duties in life that we're having to carry. And it's just not as fun as it used to be. Life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. So we got a little disconnect here when we read Jesus give us this wonderful promise. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if that's true, if Jesus gives us his easy burden and this light yoke, why does it feel so heavy? Why does life feel so hard? Why do we feel like we got this incredible weight on our shoulders and we're just dragging this, this incredible weight behind us? Doesn't seem like a very easy yoke. We've got this disconnect, and, and if Jesus promised us a light yoke, but we find the yoke of life difficult and hard, then one of two things must be true. Either Jesus was wrong about his yoke being easy, or we're carrying the wrong yoke. One of those two has to be true. If Jesus promises us an easy yoke, yet we find the burden of life difficult, only one of two things can be true. Either Jesus was wrong, or you're carrying the wrong burden. Now this should be an easy one. This should be real easy, because we know Jesus wasn't wrong. And he promised us a light yoke and an easy burden. So if you're finding the burden in your life difficult, if you're finding the yoke in your life heavy, then you have to come to only one conclusion. You're carrying the wrong burden. Your yoke is difficult and your weight is heavy. You are carrying the wrong burden. Now if you're like me, I'm tempted to say, Look, it's not my fault. All right, this is the burden life has given me, right? I mean, we don't get to choose our burdens. This is what life has put on us. We have all these responsibilities. Our whole life is one big list of have-tos, isn't it? We have to do everything. For everything in our life is a have-to, right? We have to work. We have to pay bills. 
We have to clean our house. We have to make it look nice on the outside. We have to cut our grass. We've got social obligations. We've got legal obligations. And if you're not careful, those legal obligations can get away from you. Forget to pay your taxes and you can be in big trouble. Keep up with that title. Make sure your insurance is always up to date. And then there's the obligation of our kids. They need to go to school. They've got to go to practice. They've got to go to their games. They need new clothes. They need new books. They just broke their computer. They've got to call. They're in trouble again at school. And you never know when something's going to break. I'm not talking about some easy like the toaster. I'm talking like your air conditioner going out or your roof leaking or your septic tank overflowing into your kitchen. I know from experience that has happened. We've got civic duties. We've got family duties. And you never know when someone's going to ask you to do something and you feel like you just have to do it because you can't say no. It's quite a lot, actually. It's no surprise that we feel this great incredible and weighty burden of life but is that really the burden that has us worn down is the burden of our responsibilities our family and our legal obligations and social obligations is that really the burden that makes us feel like life is so heavy and so weighty maybe i think it might be something else I think it might be something else. I think something Jesus in here tells us, gives us a clue as to what our real burden might be. Notice that he, when he opens this passage today, he says, Lord, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to children. Now, what does Jesus mean by these things? Well, if you look at this passage in this whole context, we know that these things, what he's talking about, is knowing the truth of Jesus Christ as Savior. See, in this, in this passage today, Jesus has just gotten in a big fight with the Pharisees because they wouldn't accept him as Savior. And then he's just laid a curse on two cities called Chorazim and Bethesda because they would not accept him as Savior. And after getting in this fight and condemning these cities, both these groups of people who wouldn't accept Christ as Savior, he says, Lord, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to children. So these things he's talking about is knowing Christ as the Savior, the Messiah. And not just knowing Christ as Messiah, but knowing everything that goes with it. As in knowing that you did not earn your salvation, that you did not earn your goodness, that it was a gift given to you by God through his love, by the grace of Jesus Christ, and we receive this by faith. These are these things that God has hidden from the wise and understanding. And these are also these things that he has revealed to children. And this is the burden that he talks about being light and the yoke being easy. As Jesus is saying, I've done all the heavy lifting. I have done all the heavy lifting for your life in the most important thing in life, which is salvation and your relationship to God. I've done the hard work. I've already done it. You don't have to. All you have to do is trust Christ now. That's the burden he's talking about, about being easy. That's the yoke he's talking about as being light. So if that's the light burden, then the heavy burden is you trying to save yourself. 
the heavy burden is when we try to save ourselves. And I know you can say, well, no one really does that, at least not Protestant Reformed Christians. I mean, we're Presbyterians. We say this prayer confession every Sunday. Every Sunday, we're reminded of sinners. Certainly, we don't try to save ourselves. And in our minds and in our theology, we don't do it. But still, but still, we feel this weight. We feel this weight of these heavy expectations upon us. We feel this weight that every day we've got to go out there and perform. We've got to produce. And, and as much as we talk about grace and know about grace, all of us, I think, all of us walk around with this invisible weight of having to prove ourselves every day. To go out and prove ourselves that we're worthy, that we belong, that we have earned what we get. And that's what life is about, isn't it? We're always having to prove ourselves, at least adult life. We have to prove ourselves constantly. We have to impress our boss, right, and prove ourselves to him or we'll get fired. And if you've got your own business, it's actually even worse. You've got to impress every single one of your clients and prove yourself to them or you'll lose your business. You've got to impress your neighbors. You'll become the neighborhood pariah. You have to impress strangers so that they'll be your friends. And then you have to keep impressing your friends or you might not have friends anymore. You've got to impress your girlfriend or your husband and, and, and even in those relationships. I feel like we've got to prove ourselves to them or they might leave us all alone. The art of living could be just proving yourself constantly. And we all carry this burden. This burden where we feel like we have to prove ourselves. But let me ask you this. Who put that burden on you to prove yourself? Who put that burden on you? Was it God? I don't know about you, I've looked all through the Bible, cover to cover actually, and I've not seen once where God says that you have to prove yourself to other people, that you've got to work to impress other people, that somehow you've got to go out there and let everybody know how worthy you are. God didn't put that burden on us, so who did? I think the answer is obvious. The greatest burden you carry in life is the burden you put on yourself. I want you to hear that. The greatest burden that you carry in life today is a burden that you have put on yourself. And I'm not sure how it happened, but in this world of always having to prove ourselves, we've gotten to believe that we even have to prove ourselves to God. That's what adult being an adult, a mature Christian is about that we have got to prove ourselves to God. We've got this idea that God doesn't like anyone but good people. And it makes perfect sense in our mind. I mean, God doesn't like bad people. He can't like bad people. But bad people go to hell, right? Literally, they go to hell. He can't like them. Not bad people. God only likes good people. So how is it that we can be a sinner and saved by God at the same time. We're Reformed people, right? We know otherwise. We know God loves us even while we're sinners. We know God loves us even at our very worst, but part of us finds it so hard to shake this habit of proving ourselves. 
of wanting to prove to God that we are worthy, that we do deserve His grace. Because in our adult minds, it makes no sense that you can be a sinner. And just because I trust Jesus, only because I trust Jesus, can I live eternal life with Him. I mean, it just doesn't calculate. I mean, how can you be a sinner and faith somehow makes you better? It makes no sense to us. And that's why the wise and understanding have rejected this and they have rejected Christ because it doesn't calculate in their minds that how you can be a rotten sinner and loved and saved by God all at the same time. I mean, it makes sense that maybe God can hope that you'll do better and be a better person. But to love someone, and to save them while they are wicked, the adult, mature, wise, and understanding mind cannot understand something like that. In fact, the only mind that can understand that is a child. And a child understands it quite easily. And you know why? Because a child lives it every day. Every day, a child lives the reality of doing something wrong still being loved or at least this child did I don't think a day went by when I didn't disappoint my mother on some level I mean maybe on good weeks it was a whole week that might have gone by but usually it was no more than about 24 hours till I did something wrong but you know what it didn't matter it didn't matter what I did wrong it didn't matter how I misbehaved or how I disappointed her. At the end of every day, there was a hot meal, there was a warm bed, and there was a very, very sincere, I love you, always waiting for me. And of course, sometimes there was also the, we're going to do better tomorrow, okay? All right? <laughs> it's a new day. Just forget all that happened today. We're going to do better tomorrow, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But I love you, baby. I go to sleep. See, kids can understand that grace because, I mean, that's what moms give us. That's what moms do. We can understand as kids loving the unlovable because that's what mothers do. Mothers love the unlovable. I mean, sometimes they do it to a fault. But that's what we do. That's what they do. But then when we grow up, we get wrapped up in the world of doing and achieving in this competitive world that you have to prove yourself and you have to earn what you get. And we even make the mistake of believing that we need to earn love. And there's a question that we ask other people in our life that betrays the fact that we believe we have to earn love. And it's the question that all, some of you may have asked your husband or wife before. You'll say, why do you love me? And let me tell you, that's a trap question. It's a trap question because no matter what you say, the other person can say, well, what if that isn't true anymore? If you say, I love you because you're beautiful, well, what happens if I'm not beautiful one day? Are you going to stop loving me then? And that can be the same way with a sense of humor or you're smart or you're loving. Well, what if I stop being that? Will you not love me? But see, it's a trap question because in that question, there is the assumption that love is conditional. That there is a reason why we love. And the only reason, the only way you would love somebody is if you have a reason to love them. We forget 
and completely forgotten the simple blessing of unconditional love, of love just because. By the way, that's the answer to that question. I love you just because you're you. It makes sense as kids, but as adults, we find it hard to accept because no one loves a grown-up unconditionally. No one loves an adult unconditionally. No one as adults loves us for who we are. That kind of love is for children, not for grown-ups. We earn what we get as grown-ups. That's true. That unconditional love is for children. But then again, aren't we children of God? Aren't we all simply God's children? I mean, we forget that because we're the only adults on planet Earth. And so we forget that to God, we're just kids. To our God and Father, we are simply children. We will always be children. And He loves us for who we are. Even at our worst, most stupid, most foolish, and depraving worst moments, He loves us for who we are. Even when we disappoint God, and we all disappoint Him, He loves us for who we are. No matter what we do, He always feeds us, He always shelters us, and He always has a very sincere, I love you, waiting for you, even when He says, but we're going to do better tomorrow, right? We're not going to make the same mistakes tomorrow that we made today, but I love you. We don't need to prove ourselves to anyone. There's many things God will ask you to do, but proving yourself is not one of them. That is a burden that you never need carrying. And so we don't forget that unconditional love. God has given us a living example. A living example of unconditional love and grace in your life. That's mom. That's what they're there for. To give us that living example of unconditional grace in your life. So I want you to remember, thank your mom for that today. Okay? See your mom. If you call her, thank you, mom, for being a living example of God's unconditional grace. Now, if your mom has gone on to glory, then you just thank God. Thank you, God, for giving me a mother who is an example of unconditional grace in my life. And remember that a mother's love is but a reflection of God's love. His grace is deep, and His arms are always wide open. So take that burden upon you. Accept the yoke of God's unconditional love it is a yoke that you will find is quite easy and it makes every burden in life incredibly light and you will find rest for your souls to god be all the glory forever and ever amen